Today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Uh, appreciate you being here. You know, I, uh, I had a great mom, still have a great mom. I grew up in a single mom's home, and uh, just her presence, as much as she could be at home, you know, she worked a lot, and she even went to school for part of it. Um, just she, she always tried to be at everything, and her presence really helped me a lot. In fact, her presence uh, was my protection. I mean, uh, even as a, as a young kid, I picked up on that she didn't date a lot, and one of the reasons is, is she did not want to, I think she was, you know, apprehensive of me getting attached to different guys, and then, you know, if dating doesn't work out, you break up and all that. Um, I remember usually I was the one to go on the, I always went on the first date. I think it was like she, her message of like, this is a package deal, you know, and uh, they had to put up with me. Uh, so, we, you know, I just thought that was, that was protective of me. When I was in, I don't know, kindergarten or first grade, I was, uh, we lived with my grandma in Logan. There's a big hill behind our house, and, and uh, it was rocky, but then on one side was grass. And so I got a new bike, and I thought, I'm going to take this bike down the hill. And so I'm going down, and I don't know, this hill was pretty wide. And somehow out of this three or 400-foot-wide hill, grassy hill, I decided to, you know, pick, pick the spot where at the bottom of the hill there was like this little metal pole covered by grass I couldn't see that somehow I hit it dead on. I hit that thing and flop over and break my arm. And uh, I didn't know I broke it at the time, but it hurt. Ran back to mine. I just remember her consoling me, you know, saying, we better go to the ER, better make sure it's okay, because I can move and stuff, but it just hurt a lot. And so go to the ER, get an x-ray, very slight fracture to the point that I didn't even need a cast. It's put me in a sling. And, you know, uh, all I, 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 somewhere there is a picture from that Easter. I have this white sling. And a, and a bright yellow sports coat. It's like Big Bird without the neck and head, you know? I mean, it's like, just, I wish I could have, I tried to find it, I couldn't find it to share it with you all, but, um, you know, my mom protected me. Like, when I would get hurt, she took care of me. Uh, she tried to protect me by telling me, you know, not to do certain things. Sometimes a mother's presence is protection because they have an inkling. Did you ever have a mom that had an inkling, or maybe had an inkling about one of your kids, like, I don't think you should go tonight to that party, you know, or <laughs> say something like that. And, and then you find out later, well, I'm glad I didn't go to the party because, you know, they all got in trouble or something, you know. Or I don't think you should go on that trip. Or why don't you take this class instead of that class? Like they just, moms have like this other sense, don't they? And when they share that with us, they're, they're trying to protect us, you know. Sometimes that protection is kind of uh, like before something happens, like don't touch the hot stove, right? That's her being protective. Other times, it's like when she slams on the brake and does that, you know, karate chop thing to keep you from flying. You never had that happen to you? And they say, are you okay? <laughs> well, I would have been if you let the seatbelt do my job. I think you just cracked a rib with that chop you just did, you know? But you get it. A mother's presence is our protections. Moms take care of this. Healthy moms care for us when we're hurt. They provide for us. They protect us. Um, wouldn't it be great to have that kind of mother's protection and presence at all times? You know, that's what healthy moms do. Now, some folks here, I, I, I know that like Mother's Day is a hard day. I mean, it may be because you've lost a child or maybe you've recently lost a mother or, or maybe it's because, you know, just a second here, I'm going to fix this thing. There we go. It's going to bug me the whole time. And 
You don't want that. Okay, I'm better. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just that you're, you're, you, you've lost a mom recently, and so Mother's Day is hard. Or maybe you had a dream about becoming a mom, and it's just not happened for whatever reason. Or you're, you're estranged for your mom, or maybe you're estranged from your kids. I bet still there's this ache and this longing in your heart to fulfill that void, like to have a mother's love and protection. You know, when we get what we shouldn't get as kids, that, that's abuse. Um, or when we don't get what we should get, which is we get neglected, it leaves a void and an ache. And even so, there's something in us that longs for a mother's love and protection. Maybe your mom had mental health issues or had struggles or just wasn't equipped to be a good mom, and so today may hurt too. Wouldn't it be great to experience today the kind of love that we should have got yesterday and in days gone past? Do you know that God actually reveals himself at times or likens himself at times as, as a mom? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't start, you know, you know, sending up angry tweets at me that I'm a heretic. He reveals himself as a heavenly father, right? He is a heavenly father. But there are several moments throughout the scriptures where he says, my love towards you is like a mom. In fact, you see this in the Old Testament. Oftentimes, when the people of God are in trouble or they need uh, protection, God will say, I'm, I'm, I'm like a mother. And almost always when he does it, he uses the image of, I'm like a mama bird. Will you come under the shadow of my wing? Like, picture that as a mama bird when there's danger, when there's a fox nearby. They, they gather their chicks to protect them. You know, you see this in the, in the Psalms. It's the worship book of the, of the Bible. And uh, David was a shepherd boy and then a king who wrote a lot of the Psalms, a lot of the worship songs. He writes one about the protection of God being like a mother. And in fact, he's, he's being chased by a king that he had served faithfully. His name is King Saul. And so Saul, he has served Saul faithfully. He has uh, fought for him. He has went to battle for him. He's played worship for him. He's calmed his nerves with music, all of this stuff. And yet uh, Saul becomes jealous of him. And he and his armies chase David to a cave. And while in that cave, David says this in Psalm 57, he says, about God's love, have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I'll take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to the Most High God, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. Well, David needs protection because he's being chased by a king. He cries out to God and he says, I'll take refuge in you, not just in a cold, damp cave, but you're a living God who has the, the, the wing like a mother hen. I will take refuge under the shadow of your wing, God. Now, that doesn't mean that David's going to avoid all trouble, right? The dude's in trouble. He's being chased by an army and he's hiding out for his life in a cave. But what it does mean is, is that David knew for his emotional, mental, spiritual, and relational health, he could hide out under God's wing and God would protect him. And ultimately, no matter what happens to David, he is in God's hands. Well, what is that protection? Well, it's the presence of the Lord. And David at the end says, it's, 
it's you send forth your love and your faithfulness. That word love is a, is a Hebrew word hesed. It means like covenantal love, like God has made this enduring eternal promise to be with you to the very end of the age and it'll be with you forever. And so it's that kind of love. It's a hospitable love. Like that word was used among the ancient folks in Israel to, to describe like if somebody came over to your house unexpectedly, you'd put out a spread for them. If they needed a place to stay, you'd let them stay. It's a hospitable love. And, and David is saying, under the shadow of your wing, you're sending forth your love to me. It's hospitable. It's covenantal. You won't go against it. And you also send, your protection is also your faithfulness. Like how many of you know just like God's promises are always yes and amen, meaning they always come through. And David says, I can bank on your faithfulness. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what my eyes may be telling me in the moment, I can bank on you, God. Your faithfulness is your wing over me. Well, what happens if his presence is our protection and, and his love and his faithfulness is, is the practical parts of that protection? What does it mean to come out from underneath his protection? Well, that actually is, is, is talked about by several of God's messengers and agents, the prophets. So like you'll see several verses in, in Isaiah, uh, probably about the year 600 AD roughly, and, uh, or 600, excuse me, BC, before the time of Christ. And Isaiah, the messenger says, this is God speaking. I wanted to protect you under the shadow of my wing, but you came out from under it. And the things that are kind of, you know, that God kind of chastises in the people is you decided to trust your own strength and power. You trusted your own intelligence. You trusted your own uh, uh, military. You trusted your political alliances and treaties. You trusted different idols to provide for you. And he says, because you've come out from underneath that and you've trusted yourself, you're going to have to fend for yourself. I gave you a way to be protected, but you said we can do better. And as times when Israel would go through hard times, God would remind them, you wanted it this way. How many of you know have ever experienced like the worst judgment you could ever get from God is not like him backhanding you across the universe. It's like the worst judgment you could get from God is that he just lets you do what you want to do. Like that's the worst, isn't it? You know, this all culminates with Jesus, actually. Jesus culminates this kind of language that God wants to protect us, and yet, at the same time, what happens when we choose to come out from underneath that protection? Listen to what happens. It's a discussion with some of the religious leaders. Take a look at verse 31, uh, Luke 13, verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I'll keep on driving out demons and healing people today, tomorrow, and on the third day I'll reach my goal. In any case, that's kind of like a, uh, uh, that's a, that's a Hebrew idiom that just basically means I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing for a long time. One day, two days, and then it'd say three days. It just means I'm going to keep doing this. Like, this is my mission. This guy ain't going to tell me what to do. This is what I'm doing. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jesus is putting himself in the realm of these messengers and agents, these prophets in the Old Testament that God had sent over and over again to try to woo his people back. And Israel did not listen to him. And oftentimes they either put him in jail or persecuted him or killed him, and usually always in Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying, I'm one of these company of messengers that's trying to warn you in this moment. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, verse 34 
you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now there's a verb in there. I've underlined it and bolded it on there. There's a verb that kind of ties this whole passage together. It's the same exact words in the Greek, which this was written in. So we have Herod wants, Herod has a want, Herod has a longing, and Herod's want is he wants to kill Jesus. Jesus has a want. Jesus has a longing. And his longing is to gather these people. And I would say that longing is for us too. He wants to gather us under the shadow of his wings. He wants to protect the people he's talking to. But they have a longing and they have a want to. And they don't want his protection. They want to, they want to trust themselves to, do, to, to live. They don't want to trust God or Jesus. Jesus said, I want this for you. I want to protect you. Like a healthy mom... Jesus' presence is our protection. Joel Green in his commentary on Luke says, speaking of Jerusalem, he says, they're guilty of working their own definitions of faithfulness, even when these definitions are contradicted by their own agents. In other words, the people of God that Jesus is talking to, they trust themselves. They're not trusting the faithfulness and the love of the Lord. They're not trusting the messengers that God is sending to them. They say, no, we're going to trust our own, in this case, in the first century, our own political connections, and we're going to pull those levers and trust those, and we're going to trust our religious system. We're going to trust our culture. Like, we're going to do it our way. We're not going to listen to you, Jesus. And it's to their own detriment. About 40 years after Jesus had said this, uh, the people of God decided we've had enough of Roman oppression. We've rejected Jesus. We've rejected all these other ways to deal with this. We're actually going to trust ourselves. And they began to get some revolutionaries together, small armies. They had a few small victories. Uh, but really the outcome was never in doubt because finally Rome just got ticked off enough. They massed an army and they slaughtered Jerusalem and the surrounding area. The countryside of Jerusalem was littered with rotting corpses hanging from crosses. They were making their point. You don't mess with us. So the year was 70 AD and the temple of God was completely knocked over. And Judaism, as we know it, was forever altered too. Up until that point, their heritage was so important. What tribe you were from, all of that got obliterated. The place of the temple was seen as, as, as like uh, impenetrable, that God's presence was there and, and, and he would protect them. And they were disillusioned when it was just wiped out. Did you catch what Jesus said at the end of, of chapter 13, uh, verse, I think it's 35? Look, your house is left to you desolate. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know the crucifixion story pretty well, I imagine. And you get excited when you hear the part, I hope, where it says the curtain was torn in two, where the Holy of Holies was in the temple of God, and that's where his presence resided. And the curtain was torn when he, by, by miraculous means, nobody pulled it. And uh, we all get excited. It happened right when Jesus was crucified. And for Christians, it symbolizes that the presence of God isn't contained to a building anymore, but it's actually, it's available to anybody who surrenders to Jesus. And now we're the temple of God. He resides in those who surrender their life to Jesus. It's good news for us, but it's bad news 
for those people who trusted their systems more than they actually trusted the living God because it's hope for us, it's judgment for them because the presence of a God was lifted from that place. You see, like a healthy mom, Jesus' presence, His presence in your life is your protection. That's your protection. Not that no harm will come to you, but that ultimately no real harm can come to you at all because Jesus has your life in His hands. He has your whole eternity. And whatever troubles and trials and tribulations you go through, you can have emotional strength and relational strength and spiritual strength and mental strength and get through whatever because He's carrying you. His presence is your protection. Now, you hear the rain, right, outside? And so let's say I don't want to mess my hair up, so I'm saying, God, like, keep me dry when I go outside because, I guess, you know, I've only got a few follicles left, so keep them dry. And so what if I pray that prayer, keep me dry, and like miraculously, like Mary Poppins style, like I can pull out of my backpack a whole, you know, umbrella. Like, hey, I got an umbrella. Thank you, God. What if I said, no, I don't really want an umbrella. Just keep me dry. And I throw the umbrella aside and I walk outside. If I get wet, is it God's fault? Whose fault is it? I decided not to live under his umbrella. It's like that with moms, right? So like Christy tells a story when she was a little girl, they were all getting ready for a wedding. She's in the bathroom, her mom's in the bathroom, her sister's in the bathroom, they're all doing their hair. Christy stands on this little wooden stool and she's brushing her hair, looking in the mirror and she's rocking back and forth, making that stool rock back and forth. And her mom says, don't rock, you're gonna fall, don't rock, you're gonna fall, right? And she keeps rocking and of course you know what happens, right? Stool comes out from underneath her, it falls. She like hurts her arm. They actually found out a day later, she actually broke it, um, but it wasn't so bad that it appeared right away, but she hurt it and then she, the next morning, she realized that she broke it and took her to the ER and to get a cast and everything. Well, let me tell you this. Um, her, her, her breaking her arm was punishment enough, right? Like, her mom didn't need to punish her or discipline her. She didn't need to ground her, right? Why? Because the punishment was self-inflicted. The umbrella of protection, her mom's presence was, don't do that, you will hurt yourself. And Chrissy decided, I don't, I, I'm going to trust myself. Well, okay. But you just left the umbrella of protection. Like that, all the commands of Jesus are like that. Like when Jesus says things about not holding on to bitterness or forgiving people, it's so you and your heart and your relationships and your mind and your emotions can live under the umbrella of his presence and his protection. But if you say, no, I'm going to hang on to bitterness, then that part of your life is no longer under his protection. Like you can go through every command that Jesus gives. Like here's one. If you go to the altar, which was the pinnacle of Jewish worship, if you go to the altar and you realize someone has something against you, not that you have something against somebody else, but somebody has something against you, Jesus says here's how important relationships are in the kingdom of God. You leave whatever worship you were gonna do at the altar and don't worship. This is unheard of in Judaism. They're like, don't worship. Don't worship, right? Yeah, don't worship. You go find that person who has something against you and try to make it right. You do that, and you'll find yourself having a lot healthier relationships, and you'll be living under the protection of God relationally. Your relational life will be better. But most of us don't do that, right? Most of us go our own way. We trust our own devices, and we say, no, no, no. If they have something against me, they need to come to me first. I bet you've said or thought that a couple times in your life, right? 
Here's one. How about money? I mean, over, you cannot get away from it that God expects Jesus' followers at a minimum in their generosity to tithe. And like you will find verses over and over again where this concept of giving God our first fruits and giving 10% to the Lord and to his work actually protects us, protects our finances. You just see that throughout Scripture. Malachi 3, test me in this. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven, meaning you will receive some kind of blessing, whether it's financial or not, doesn't matter. You're going to, I mean, if nothing else, you're going to receive a blessing of God's presence on your life. God's going to be smiling at you. That's worth having. And yet when we choose not to do that, we're actually pulling our finances out from underneath God's protection, saying, no, I think I'll do my budget and my lifestyle my way. Okay. But anytime you do that with any command of the Lord, you are pulling yourself out from underneath his protection and saying, I think I can do it better. Like a healthy mom, Jesus' presence is protection. This passage talks about Jesus saying, they won't see him again until blessed is he, until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And actually, it's repeated later after the triumphal entry, so it's not about the triumphal entry. It seems to be one of two things. It's either um, Jesus giving them an invite, saying, you can actually see me again if you will just say, I, I am really God and I'm Lord, and you acknowledge that, and then you can come back under my umbrella. Or it may be Jesus, it may have a double meaning, it may be judgment. Because there will be a day when Jesus returns. Like right now, we live in an era where every knee should bow when they hear about Jesus. Like that means you have a choice, should. There will be a day when every knee will bow. And there won't be a choice. You'll see the full-on glory of Jesus, and the only response will be, I've got to kneel. And Jesus is saying, you're not, you've rejected me. You're not going to see me again until that day. Jesus is offering that to us. I, I wonder here in the room, like, what areas of our lives have we decided, whether it's relationship or emotional or, uh, I mean, just all the different areas of our life, financial, uh, spiritual, who we're trusting, who we're listening to, what areas of your life have you decided, I'm not going to trust what God says, I'm not going to trust that His presence is my protection. I'm fearful I'm going to have my own schemes and devices and come up with my own protection. You know, I was telling you about the schemes and devices. It's interesting. The, uh, uh, the people of God in the first century um, in Jerusalem, when the Romans began to attack, the priests and religious people ran to the temple and they grabbed a hold of the altar of the Lord and the Holy of Holies because they believed there's no way they could, like the Romans could overtake them. It was like they thought there was some kind of, I don't know, force field or something. They just thought if we hold on to this, we'll be okay. The people, the citizens in Jerusalem who made it out alive were the people who remembered Jesus' words 40 years earlier when he told them in Matthew 24, when you see these signs happening, run to the hills. So the disciples and, that were left there and the Christians who were there, they ran to the hills and that's how Christianity survived, at least in Israel that first century. It's because they obeyed Jesus. Once again, 
His presence was their protection. So how much you apply this to your life? Well, when you leave, there are cards on black rectangle tables right by the doors inside the sanctuary. So as you leave, pick these up. And what I have is I have a prayer in uh, scripture exercise from Psalm 57 in Matthew 13. If you're watching online, we'll post it online. But um, basically, it's just a little exercise you can do once this week, or you can do it a couple times. But I'm going to lead you through with some questions about connecting with the Lord's presence and then asking Him to reveal what areas of your life are under the shadow of His wings and which areas of your life are like the little chicks who decide I'm going to try it on my own. <laughs> And then it will lead you through a time of how to confess that to the Lord and begin to bring those things under His presence and under His protection. So make sure to grab a card so that this week you can begin to process this teaching. Well, let me end with this story. Here's what I mean when I say, you know, like Jesus's, uh, like a healthy mom, Jesus's presence is our protection. I want to tell you the story about uh, Jordan and Anna Chando and uh, her husband, Andre, and there's her uh, newborn at the time, Paul. Um, Jordan and her husband, Andre, dropped off their five-year-old at a cheerleading practice, and then they decided to go to the store to get some uh, school supplies. This was in August of 2019. And when they were in there shopping at this Walmart, uh, a young man who had just posted some white nationalist uh, opinions along with anti-immigration opinions walked into the Walmart and began to, to shoot people. Uh, in all, 23 were injured, another 23 were actually killed, including Jordan. She was holding her, by then, two-month-old Paul, and she's holding Paul, and as uh, the shooting begins, she began to turn and held Paul and took the bullets and fell. And the only injuries Paul had was a couple minor fractures just from her falling on him. Uh, his mom and his dad, unfortunately, both passed away. Uh, when the news hit, the family immediately uh, commended Jordan. They, they did not shock her, them at all that she would uh, sacrifice herself for her kids because they had seen it on much smaller levels throughout the time that she was a mom, but that day it went to extraordinary levels as she used her own body to protect her infant son, Paul. Friends, that's what I mean when I say, like a healthy mom, Jesus' presence is our protection. In fact, 2,000 years ago, He gave up His body to take all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, he took it upon himself. The way he protected us was with his presence. And afterwards, he gives us a way to have his presence live inside of us. There are people in the room today that you simply, you just aren't following the Lord in every area of your life. Like, there are parts of your life you have decided Yep, I can trust God with that, but I'm not going to trust Him with this. Which seems really strange to me, because I do the same thing, but it's funny. We'll say we'll trust Him with eternity. It's like, that's the biggest thing you could trust Him with, right? <laughs> but I'm not going to trust Him to help me reconcile with a friend? This seems smaller than that. 
Jesus, I trust you to save me. And at judgment day, you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on into heaven. I'll trust you with that. But not my finances. I trust you with eternity. But I'm hanging on to my anxiety and I'll deal with anxiety my own ways. Like that seems bigger than this, and yet we say we trust him with that. There are people in the room, what Jesus is calling, will you like allow all the areas of your life to come under the shadow of my wing? There's people in the room you've never trusted Jesus at all. Like you've never made that surrender, that, that commitment. I mean, you may have prayed a prayer one time, but it, it just it didn't have much of an effect. Like, like you've never just like all out. Like from now on, I'm not gonna be perfect, but I mean, it might be like signing up to go to you know, school. If you sign up for school, you start off as kindergarten, right? You may not even know all your letters, but you are a student, right, at that moment. And you're going to grow for 12 or 13 years, and you will have more knowledge when you leave than you came in, right? Well, that's how it is with Jesus. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to be a kindergartner, you know? That's okay. What you're signing up for is I'll be your student the rest of my life, and I give my life to you. And as soon as you do that, like he washes the, the, the guilt away, like we sang, he makes all things new, he begins to make the brokenness whole, his broken body becomes your wholeness. Like this, this, this supernatural thing begins to happen in you, and you'll live under his presence, and you'll learn how to have your emotions, your relationships, your spiritual life, your whole being under his protection. Like a healthy mom, Jesus' presence is our protection. Would you just stand with me? We're going to do a prayer ministry time because the Spirit of the Lord is here, I believe. So let's just wait on the Lord for a few moments here.